What up, what up? This is your boy Checo. This is your boy Noi. What up? And this is Compass Unfiltered. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. Make sure you guys follow all of our social media. Subscribe and like. And make sure you go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you drop a comment on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe. Yes, sir. Enjoy the episode. So you're going next year. Hell yeah. And I think, and I did VIP this year. I think next year I'm going to do platinum. Oh, shit. Yeah, because. How much was that? Can, can I ask? Yeah, of course. So um, GA was like 350 for the two day pass around there. VIP was $700 for the two days. And platinum is like 1300 a person. But this is why I want to do platinum because we're VIP, but we ended up, because we drink, like we ended up spending what we were That amount spending. anyways. Exactly. And food and drink. So I'm just like, why are we? Might as well. And I don't really want to sneak in stuff because, I don't know, it's too risky, I feel like. You know, it was cool, though, because a lot of workers, they actually um, dug bottles under the ground for their friends. like, And they would tell them where the bottles were. So I'm like, that's smart. I saw yeah, that though. Been, I saw uh, that. They've yeah. been doing that, right? Yeah, I think, that's I, cool. I don't know if I don't know where it started, but I did see it for like Lollapalooza. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, okay, and so, other and other festivals. Yeah, so it's a like thing. This were, is my first festival like that. So, um, was there like a, a specific artist that you wanted to see? And, oh my god! And didn't disappoint. Oh my god! No, my I love reggaeton. That's my favorite music. I okay. love reggaeton. I'm a huge fan of reggaeton. My ultimate favorites are Joely Randy. Randy didn't show up though because he missed his flight. But um, yeah, I wanted to see all of them. El Alfa, I love, I love them both too. So El Alfa was really good. Jolie Randy, Jay Cortez, all of them were there. Like you have to, Mike Towers. I've been wanting to see Mike Towers. I heard he so, did really fucking did good. Amazing. No, Weensin and Yandel. I heard that one was was the best. That's my favorite part of the whole festival. D- did you, uh, did you go to day two? I'm assuming, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jay, I heard. We seen Daniel did better than Jay Belvin because yeah. Jay Belvin closed out they on did, he Sunday. Did. He seemed, but something's wrong with him because he canceled his tour. No, I think there's something going on in his life. Oh, okay. Yeah, beef a, with um, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's what's got him worried. Yeah. Nah, I'm just, <laughs> and also, um, Calle 13, is that? Calle 13. Like, yeah. they, they didn't show up? No, Calle 13 and Jay Oh, they got beef too? Oh. There's a lot of YouTube What was that dude that uh, that went hard on him on the freestyle, dude, and just murdered him? It was... It was, uh, it was Calle 13 guy? Calle 13. Oh, yeah. He went hard, bro. I mean, there's a lot I of reason to do and that then, because Jay Balvin is Colombian, right? And he's a white Colombian. So, like, there's a lot of criticism in the reggaeton world about lighter-skinned, like... Latin American people that um, appropriate the, or are just like getting really famous and really rich at reggaeton when its roots are like Panamanian, black, Teo mm-hmm. Calderon. That right? was a beast. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's understandable stuff, but I don't know why Calle Tres is talking because he's also very light skinned. I think there's probably some more beef behind there, though. But Cristiano, I just saw an Instagram post. Uh, they I, got uh, beef? Yeah, they got beef too, bro. And they look kind of similar now because that fool's got <laughs> tattoos on his face, blonde hair. And I'm like, what is going on, bro? It's got to be personal. But uh, like... we've seen that Ben had the game unlocked, though. Like, And I'm not like a huge reggaeton fan, bro. But them fools were on top of their game for years, bro. Yeah, but it makes it's definitely different, like a live performances. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just think they it's they've like, been doing it for so long yeah. that they would be beasts coming in, coming into the. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but a Mike Towers is a beast too. Mike Towers yeah. is. 
Bad. And I'm not a huge fan of reggaeton like that. Like, yeah. I'll, no, I'm not die hard. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to songs on <laughs> radio, am. you know? Yeah, Mike Towers is amazing. Raul Alejandro, I love, but he wasn't there. He had his separate concert. Bad Bunny, of course, is already too, too up big there to. We'll, we'll see. Maybe they'll bring him next year. Do you like that type of reggaeton too? Like the Bad Bunny that you can't really understand what they're saying? I like all of it from the beginning to, to the now. Yeah. yeah, I like all of it. It's It's gone through some. Big changes, bro. Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. What did you feel about like when they brought the uh, regional? Oh, I love that too. I love all of that. Although I feel like I fell off a little bit because of pandemic. Like before pandemic, I was always like, I went to El Fantasma's concert. Like I love oh, regional shit. Mexican. I love tamborazo. Like that's my thing too. But I feel like ever since pandemic, like I haven't gone out a lot anymore as yeah. with regional Mexican stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like perreo, I listen to at home. <laughs> you know, that's regular. That's what I, I exercise too. That's what I listen to. But yeah, so but the regional Mexican was a really nice touch. Like they brought them in, especially Fuerza Regida. Like oh my god, they did so. They snap. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't too much, right? Because it was only one one artist. So no, it it's like Natiel it's like a Cano and Fuerza Regida. So Natiel Cano and they won. And Cano? Forza, yeah, you see, not Nat, you don't even know his name. You're, yeah, no, you're there. Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah, I love um, corridos. I named my son Remy after Remy Valenzuela. Oh, oh snap! Yeah, everybody's Sweet. like, "You name Remy after Remy Martin?" I'm like, "No, I don't even drink that." <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind me asking uh, where are your parents from? Um, my, they my dad was born in Guerrero, and my mom's from Morelos. Okay, so we're more like southern. We're not like the northern. No, because you said tamborazo. You're like, that's my I thing. I love that's tamborazo. that's a Zacatecas thing. Yeah. So I was like, hold on, let me let me check but in, you know, Addison, see where we're from. It's yeah. fucking yeah. filled with Zacatecas. So all my friends that I grew yeah. up with were That's Zacatecas. little mini Zacatecas right there. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, shout out everybody in Addison. Yeah. You see? Well, we're going to take this time to introduce our guest today. I know people have been probably been listening and they're like, who's talking? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So, Cindy, welcome to Compas and Fletcher. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Yeah, hey, for sure. Thank welcome. you. <laughs> oh, there's a shirt and everything. I want one of those eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cute. Well, I uh, I know we're kind of like limited on time, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, and I think uh, the reason why I brought you on and, and I told you about was uh, the, the mass shooting that happened recently in um, in Texas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Ubalde? Ubalde, yeah. Ubalde, Texas. So I wanted to touch on that. Um, I guess, first of all, it's like, what was your initial reaction like to hearing to the shooting? Yeah. Like, where, where were you at? And, and um, I guess... Because like, at least for myself, it was, I don't know, like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. or something like that in the afternoon. And it was just like another mass shooting. But there was no information out, right? If anyone died or anything like that. But what was like, what was going on through your head? So when I heard about it, I was actually at Target. And I heard about it like 10 minutes after it started. Because um, I follow a lot of folks on Twitter. Like I'm big on social media. And I don't always post on all the outlets. But I do follow a lot for the reason that I trust people on the ground with news more than I do um, mainstream mainstream media. So I was at Target with my husband. He was like getting some prescription sunglasses or something. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh, no. And it was a school. So then I just started like getting really I started, you know, just following everything as it was developing. And for the next 48 hours, I would say I deeply researched everything and I went on every single social media and I basically read everything that has to do with anything on that shooting. On the shooting. Because, um, I'll tell you because in a minute, but the way that I felt, I thought, 
and I'm going to be very honest with you. My fear was what I did first was look up the school because you could always look up the demographics of the school. I'm like, okay, this is the school in Uvalde, Rob Elementary. I went online and you could look that up. Like, what are the demographics? And I saw 90% Latino, right? Probably predominantly Mexican. Yeah. And then my heart dropped. I'm like, no, you know, because there was already a, ma a mass shooting in, in Texas that happened. I was like, my first reaction was like, this must be white supremacist related. So that's before they released who the shooter was. Right. So I was like, oh, no, I'm like, you know, right now there is a huge movement, the MAGA movement, which is very dangerous in that. There is that whole um, the shooting that happened in Buffalo, which it follows the whole um, the great re the replacement theory, which says that particularly black folks are replacing, you know, white folks and that white folks are like on the brink of like extinction and that there's like this purposeful um, thing happening where there's a replacement. Right. So I was like, I wonder if it was connected to that because Buffalo had just happened. And I was like, I wonder if there's going to be like a string of mass shootings connected to that one. And there kind of has been, right? I mean, I yeah. think I heard there's been like 20 mass shootings since the Obalde one. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So there has been about 20, 20 more. Um, the one that just happened in, uh, it was in the hospital. That one was not related, according to the mainstream media, it's not related to race. It was like a guy who had this back surgery and was still having back pain after his back surgery and was really upset about it. And so went and, and murdered the physician that did the surgery um, and sure. a, a lot of other people. But the thing is that, like, so that's when I kind of started thinking deeper about guns, right? It's like, what is it once I found out who the shooter was, right? I'm like, okay, the shooter is a Mexican kid. Yeah. Um, what is it about, like, so not all mass shootings are re related to white supremacy. I think that's a big um factor like a big element of it for sure but I, what for me this shooting made me see that it is um a larger issue around guns and the one thing i will say is this i do think that um it's still white supremacist culture and i'll tell you why like i feel like guns right this culture around owning guns and wanting guns and having guns this issue this even like this culture around private property is all has its roots in white supremacy. It all has its roots in in what dominates the globally right now, which is white supremacy. So like just because somebody brown or black does something doesn't mean that it it's not white supremacist culture. Does that make sense? So like for so for example, like what I'm trying to say is like this this young person grew up in the United States, which is a society that's dominated by white supremacy white supremacist culture, schooling, right? The type of school, the structure of school is all influenced by white supremacist culture. The history this young person lived through, and I don't, you know, and not to take time like talking about this young person, but I do think that that's an important thing to talk about. What led this young person to do what this he did, right? What, yeah. what do you think led him? Uh, well, kinda, and yeah, that's, that's what I think. I that. think that um, I looked into his family and, you know, from what's available, obviously I'm not there. So this is right, like, I'm right, just right. gathering like puzzle pieces from, from what I'm reading. It looks like his mother was a drug addict. It looked like he came from his, he was being raised by his grandma and his grandpa. Um, and, and so basically I think that this young person was probably had mental health for sure, had mental health issues, right. For whatever reason, but would, 
be, the resources were not there to get him what he needed mm-hmm. to prevent him from getting to the point that he did. And to me, like that, so I identify as an abolitionist in my politics. And that's why I, for me, that's the most important thing, right? Because a lot of folks want to debate on like surface issues, right? Like, oh, but it's about guns. It's about, and it's like, wait, let's go back and look at the core of the issue. Where where did it start? What did we fail at? Like, what didn't we see? And what could we have done differently as this young person was growing up, right? So for me, I think this young person probably got infatuated with um, guns. I heard that, you know, he um, was was obviously abusive to animals, right? All these signs that we know that usually um, are warning signs, right? This person has these tendencies. um, And it didn't look like there was any, like, services, right? It didn't look like this person received any, like, mental health services, didn't receive any intervention, or prevention, right? And um, so I think this person had a lot of hate in their heart. I think it was a lot of rage. I think there's a lot of entitlement. Like there's a lot, there's this literature that looks at mass shootings, particularly when they're done by white men, white young men that talks about like entitlement, right? Like I am entitled to the world. Like I am entitled to women. Like women exist in this world for me. They exist to entertain me. They exist for my procreation. And I feel like a lot of times with young men, that's part of it too. It's like, he's like, I'm mad. Therefore, the world needs to feel my rage. And how can the world feel my rage the hardest? And then he's like, in elementary school, you know? I mean, I agree as far as like, that's probably where everybody felt, you know, felt it and feels it. Um, Because you think about little kids, defenseless, you know, they they can't do anything for them, you know, to, to defend themselves. So I've been hundred percent for that. Yeah. I don't know about you, Kumpa. I mean, I was kind of stuck on the whole situation. If just thinking about the mental health issues mm-hmm. and the fact that our Latino communities don't really know how to manage that on top of the fact that if his mother was a drug addict, um, I feel like it just trickled down, you know? The fact that our parents or their parents never taught them about how to deal with feelings and mental health issues and mm-hmm. depression or whatever could be going on, right? Um, I feel like that just that within itself could have, you know, yeah. led to what happened without even going into politics and why why are they in Valdi or how they're living or circumstances. What you know, without going into that deep of, of things, just the fact that we we don't really know how to deal with mental health issues yeah. as much or like we we have a lack of knowledge behind that so i mean i would just you know focus on that just within itself mm-hmm. you know what i mean and what led the guy to to do what he did yeah no for sure i feel like that is very true especially like in the latino culture i think that i do think it's getting better like i have seen a lot of um organizations in different parts of chicago at least like really fight for mental health stuff. But I do think that you're right in that um, it could be just like people just kind of brush off the warning signs, right? Oh, he's just being this or, oh, they hello, you know, whatever. Um, But like you, like, I think that what you said is really important about defenseless, about defenselessness, right? It's like, because also what they find with mass shooters is like, there is always um, a hate for women and a hate, for children right so like that thing goes hand in hand it's a hate for women first so when you see somebody like and this is something that they saw about the shooter is that 
he was very disrespectful to his grandmother. He would yell at her verbally, like whatever, like all of that. When you see those signs of like anger towards women, rage towards women, um, those people like these are these are warning signs. Right. And it's like it sadly globally, like children are the targets a lot of anger and rage, <laughs> like not even to be controversial, but like all this chancla culture, they call it in our own culture of hitting our kids. Why do we hit our kids, right? Why do we take out our anger on our children, right? And I think that there is something deeper, even in chancla culture, around how we treat our children and our society, you know? So I think that it it does have to do, it's all connected. And I do feel like that's why it became a target. Same with animals, right? The warning signs. Animals are defenseless creatures, right? right? Yeah. That, so, I mean, they say that that's, that's kind of like a trait in serial killers, right? I mean, so is this more of like a serial killer type of individual? You know, the fact yeah. that he was abusing animals. Yeah. I mean, to me, when I heard that his grandma took him out for his birthday, bro, right before he shot her, I mean, that's a different type of person within himself, bro. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, who would do something like that? Your mother's showing, uh, your grandmother's showing you love, taking you out to, to lunch or dinner, whatever it was, um, and then you shoot her right after yeah. that. I mean, this person is literally showing you affection. And and the best way possible, feeding you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? On your birthday, let's celebrate you. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. I was I was puzzled just by that, bro. I was like, this is a different type of person we're dealing with here. I'm not I'm not trying to excuse. I'm trying to make um excuses for him or, or, or trying to like understand him, bro. But I mean, you also don't know the the relationship that him and his grandmother had. Yeah. What if she did have that like chancla mentality, which we all yeah. do, or whatever? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I mean the I'm fact being... that she brought that up though, too, bro. Like. I feel like that that chancla culture, bro. That I feel like the way we were brought up wasn't that far from like the right way, dude. Like I look at yeah. the way my mom and my dad raised me. Like it wasn't perfect, but they knew how to keep me aligned. You know what I mean? Like yeah. now, I'm pretty sure that the chancla culture exists in a more extreme way, just like everything else. And then, well, then that would just be abuse, right? Yeah. I feel like that's there's different. A, that a lot of folks, I feel like, have your, share your perspective and that they feel there's a thin line between discipline and abuse. However, I Correct. will say that um, I also was raised in that. Like, my father um, used physical violence towards me, and it did fuck me up. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that I could say that it didn't fuck me up. Like, I have PTSD. Like, I am a diagnosed PTSD because of the trauma starting from the trauma of my father, right? And I don't want to say, I love my dad. Me and my dad are like cool as hell right now, (laughs) right? So I, through years of therapy, I've been in therapy for seven years or so. I have come to understand like my father's roots, right? So I understand like where he's coming from with his discipline um, ways. But I do feel like we really have to interrupt the notion that like it is discipline because at the end of the day, what happened with me is that my dad put his hands on me. Therefore, I allowed other men to put their hands on me because to me, that was normal, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I'm looking for a partner that is kind of like my dad. That's my role model, right? And what I got into was a series of really abusive relationships. I'm a survivor of like attempted murder. Like I jumped out of a window with my daughters. You know what I mean? And it took, and I have PTSD starting from childhood. So I think that we have to be, and it's not, all it going to be an extreme like me, right? I think that I do have a very unique case, right? It's not even that unique, let's be real. This happens all the time. Right. But um but I do feel like um there we 
So this is a little bit complex because I don't think that as people of color, we have the privilege of being patient because we're working our asses off all the time, right? And I feel like if you look at other forms of discipline, they are very time consuming. You can sit there, you have to do timeouts, you have to sit there and explain things to your children in a loving way. It works. Don't get me wrong. I know that it works from experience parenting my kids and being in a privileged position myself now as a PhD student, right? But like, I think that in our in our in our communities, not a lot of folks don't have the privilege of like being able to come home and like de- do these very elaborate disciplinary methods. Like there, it's easier to use force to keep our children in line. She looked at me, bro. When she said force. <laughs> <laughs> to use force, bro. She knows, bro. She knows. Yeah, she knows. So, because it's easier to use force, like you said, to keep our children <clears throat> in line and controlled to what our versions are of like being a good behaved kid, but what is going on inside that child, right? It, what are, what are they developing? What are, what are the, like, how are they developing psychologically? What are the messages that we're giving them as we're like beating them up or chanclazos, lo que sea, right? Mm. So I think that um, it's a double-edged sword in a way, but it's also complex. Like I'm not going to sit here and villainize our community for doing what they do, because I do think that, we're not given that, you know what I mean? That time, that privilege, because we're overworked. We're exploited here in this country. I feel like it's fading away, though. Uh, yeah, so to that, is. yeah, to that note, <laughs> I feel like the chancla culture is fading away. Like my wife is definitely against it, you know. Um, but it, like you said, when you start looking back at the way our parents grew up, their parents grew up. I mean, they weren't chanclazos. They were like. Cinturonazos. Yeah, or con un palo or whatever, con really. Con cables. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. My parents grew up in Mexico, so yeah. it was a different type of uh, era, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and as I feel like as they came here, they learned, and then now they passed it on to us. We're learning on how to treat our children, how to educate them, you know? So I feel like it's fading away. And by, you know, I, yeah. I feel like it's just taking time for us to learn. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah. The, say bye to the chancla culture, bro. Yeah. <laughs> 2040, <laughs> I think it'll be extinct, Hopefully. you know what I mean? Ni, ni, well, we'll see. I think it, it depends. You think right? it's coming back? No. Oh. I think, no, I don't think, I think that for some places it never left. I think that it's always like, it depends geographically where you live. It also depends on like, I feel like a lot of millennials, right, have, are having, have kids. Like right now, over 50% of kids, of young people under 18 are people of color. So I think that it's just kind of like there's a lot of demographic reality to it. And I just think that that's why there's a shift that we kind of see. Um, But it's funny. You reminded me that I was actually in gym in middle school with your sister. And I will always remember this. Shout out, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we always had the same gym class. We'd do a lot of stupid shit in middle school. I remember we were like we're into fainting each other at one point. It was bad. Um, but anyway, <laughs> no, it was really bad to, because my dad used to hit me with cables and like, it was so bad that I would go into the bathroom stall to change. Cause I didn't want the school to get involved, you know? Um, but it reminded me of that. I'm like, Oh God, he was in my gym class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See like that to me, that's like more like that, that goes deeper, you know? Like to me, I feel like my parents, like my mom mostly was on it. Like, Hey, you know, like. <laughs> Stay yeah. aligned, boy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I and then I kind of taught you your place. You're like, okay, she ain't playing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But like you said, we're fading away from it anyways. Yeah. Aunque no quiera uno, you're like, I, I like the way my mom brought me up. Like, yeah. we want to kind of stick to it. You you fade away because times are changing. Yeah. So no matter what, you got to move with the times. Yeah. Go ahead, Chico. So, yeah, I mean, I, we could, I, I could probably add on to the whole chancla culture. But I do want to move on because yeah. the time is limited. 
um, the police yeah. and how they how they uh, reacted to the mass shooting yeah. and um, your opinion on that. Uh, me, I after hearing it, you know, after well, we're only a week or two weeks mm. from when the mass shooting happened. Apenas una semana, no? A week and yeah, some days. Week, yeah. That happened on a Tuesday, I think. So it's like a weekend. Yeah, like a week and a, a half. Okay. Weekend. So um, in the beginning, obviously, there's so many questions, right? Like, how long did it take? Then you find out that it took them 50 minutes, almost an hour to to even do anything about it. Or, or I mean, yeah, they were taking out kids, right? But, um, you know, everybody had the same question. Like, why didn't they react sooner? Why didn't they, you know, break down the door? And they probably could have saved a few kids. My opinion now from learning from what we kind of know. And I say kind of because we don't know for sure. I think they should be all be fucking fired. Everybody, every every police officer that was in there. I mean, it took uh, off duty border patrol to handle that situation. Well, how do you feel about it? Damn, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> so I am, you know, as you probably could tell from my Facebook um, and my social media, I identify with abolitionist politics, which means that I. Um, I am against and I am for defunding police in general. I am for defunding military. I'm for defunding every death-making institution in society and for funding um, life-affirming institutions like mental health, like childcare, like education, like um, whatever families need in order to thrive and have joyful existence, right? But to be more specific, like, I'm not surprised about the <laughs> police reaction. I... I think that thanks to particularly um, I organize with young people who are black, who identify as black in the black communities. And I've done it enough to know that police are garbage. Like, and all like there is like, I think the black communities have been telling us, particularly black organizers have been telling us this for a really long time. But I think that for Latinos, we still, because we find ourselves kind of like in this, more privileged um, place in society um, uh, in regards to like racism um, with the exception of undocumented people, because I think undocumented people do not have much privilege. Um, yeah. So as far as the cops, yeah, to me, I mean, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. This is what cops do. Like there is no surprise or shock there for me. Cops, <laughs> they, and every and and I'm telling you this from my experience. I don't like to make things personal all the time because I do. I feel like I have done so much research and have reviewed so much literature from a, a long history, right? So I'm not only. It's like I'm telling you this from two sides: the academic side, but also my personal life. Like even through my abusive relationships, the cops made it worse and perpetuated the trauma that I was living in in my abusive relationships. Every single time I called them. Okay. Um, and then on the academic side, like I know for a fact that, you know, data shows nationwide, even globally, how, um, how um, police really fuck up everybody's life. <laughs> so I'm not, a, but I was really pissed off. Right. Because uh, the facts already show, right? These are known facts. Like, we're not even... I know you're, you're saying stuff is still coming out. Yeah, we'll wait for more work. Right, right. Of course, out. of course. Pero these cops went and got their own kids first, right? Like, the fact that they went and got their own kids first. These cops tased and handcuffed 
parents that were trying to go in and save their kids, right? Mm -hmm. These cops, like they were so fucked up. Like, and 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 it's just, it's like it is very infuriating, I would say, because it's like, even though I'm not surprised by what the cops did, um, I know I expect this the cops to act this way because this is how they always act. Um yeah, it was just like even like there is there was a uh you know one of the things that we that we organized me and then the young people organized against there was a campaign to get the uh, cops out of the schools because and this is proven fact right cops in schools don't stop shootings as we could tell from Uvalde and a lot of other examples cops in schools the SRO officers don't stop shootings but on top of that having SRO officers in schools what they do do is incarcerate brown and black people, particularly black people like they are incarcerated. So instead, so let's say you have a detention and you do something that the school can handle. Right. They can put you in a room with somebody you had a fight with, figure it out. A cop is there to arrest you. And now you're in the court system and now you're flagged. So whenever you're not in school, more cops are going to pull you over. And that's why they call it the school to prison pipeline. Right. Because it starts in the school with these officers arresting you. And then eventually you end up in prison. So. Anyway, uh, I think that is very complex. I'm not, I don't think that the Border Patrol agent, like, I think as a person, I'm grateful or whatever that this person went in and finally stopped this shooter. But even Border Patrol being on site was fucked up because you have to remember where we're talking about. We're talking about Uvalde. These are, there's a lot of mixed status families. A lot of parents didn't even show up to look for their kids because they were afraid of getting deported because ICE was on the scene. Right. Does this make our community feel safe? Right. Having ice on the scene. Why are you there, ice? Why are you there? Like, you know, you have a ton of cops there like to, to handle the situation. I do not understand why ice was there. Right. And um, so it's very multilayered. I feel like like the response and like and this is why it makes it so multilayered. Right. This school shooting in particular. Like you said, we brought up the shooter. There is a lot of complexity with this, right? The fact that he was a, a a Mexican kid. And then you have the parents being brutalized. But long story short, cops do not value the lives of brown children. And they allowed them to die because their lives are worth more than the ch than saving those kids. At I the mean, end of the day, that's Were all the cops white? No. No. Nuvalde has a lot of brown cops, but remember what I told you, like, just because you're brown and or black, even black cops kill people all the time. Brown cops kill people all the time. That doesn't mean you're not going to act on what that cop culture is and cop culture. Oh, you're saying just as a culture, just. Yeah, the it is white supremacist culture. You know, the police was created. The, the only the reason why police exist in, in the United States, they're originally created to catch enslaved people that would run away that was their purpose that is how they were created because enslaved people were property the cops are there to protect property they're not there to save anybody to them it's like it's not worth it they're not gonna and especially after it was brown kids you know so i so what i'm trying to say is that even though it was brown there was brown cops there they can still act on that internalized like, right just yeah. mentally white right right right, right. right. I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I honestly don't want to lose hope. I really hope that there is really good cops out there that do want to protect. Like, mm -hmm. that's just my personal thought, you know? I mean, 
Yeah. Because if I lose hope on them, I'm like, dang, this is going to hell. Well. You know what I mean? Like, it could, that was a quick glimpse of it. Well, there are other forms of keeping our community safe, right? And I think that that's one thing that we have to kind of problematize a little bit. Because I think that we are all kind of socialized to think that cops serve this purpose in society. That's what we're, like, we, I call it copaganda. I don't call it that. I didn't make that term. I learned it. It's called copaganda, Right. And it's this like bombarding of like this idea that we think we need cops, right? But in reality, most communities that are safe, the safest communities have the least amount of cops, you know? And and I think that we really need to look for alternative ways of keeping each other safe. The so, safest communities, when you say that, what like what communities do you speak of? So when you look at communities where um um, I don't want there's always a lot of white communities, right? Like a lot of white communities, suburbia, they don't want cops like patrolling their streets. They want like that feeling of of having like a utopia, right? Like it's like um these communities are well resourced. Their schools have an immense amount of mental health services. They have special education, they have um extracurricular activities, they have sports, their parents are home doing those really long disciplinary things with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to get at. They're well-resourced communities that don't need cops. So if we already know that that exists, why are we spending, Uvalde spends 50% of their budget, the city of Uvalde, 50% of their budget on cops. So if instead we use that money for mental health, for you know, extracurricular activities for intervention for these homies like the shooter, right? Not to call my homie. For people like the shooter, right? That like different services that can help intervene, like for better paying jobs for the for their parents to be able to be home and like parent their children in a way that doesn't involve violence, right? That's how you create safe communities. So you think a place like Chicago would be better without cops? Hell yeah. Oh my gosh, Chicago. Oh, Chicago cops are among the worst. <laughs> well, you no. said the cops. But, well, we're talking about the people yeah. as a community. As a community. Chicago community is beautiful. I love Chicago community. Oh, I we think, love Chicago community too. I think that but, they're two separate topics. The cops, the cop budget in Chicago has increased substantially. The violence has increased as well. That tells us that the correlation, this is not working. Why do we continue to throw money at the cops? What does work is resources, right? So again, that's why we have to separate it. Is there a gun problem in our communities? Hell yeah, right? So let's look at that, but let's stop resorting to like, we need cops, we need armed teachers, we need more military style cops in the schools. It's like, we need to kind of redirect our thinking because it's two different issues. Like we, I think we've been socialized to automatically think that we need this like cops, military, um, guns. That's how we, violence, we, we always want to fight violence with more violence, right? And it's like, how do we um, kind of redirect the way that we think about it? And it's like, um, in Chicago specifically, like, there is a gun problem. Hell yeah. And I feel like that gun violence doesn't, and that's another thing that, like, is really frustrating. Because when we talked about it with the youth, I, I mentioned to you I'm an advisor for a youth or a group of youth organizers. A lot of the Black youth were like, yeah, they were telling me, they're like, yeah, that's, we're talking about Uvalde. And they're like, yeah. And I and also the gun violence in black communities often gets overlooked and doesn't get talked about as gun violence. It gets talked about as like, 
oh, black and black crime. Oh, you know, like it's 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 messed up. And it's like, no, actually, that's also part of the whole gun violence thing. It it also gun violence is not like this just mass shootings, right? Right. It's a it's a very complex thing too, you mm -hmm. know. Anyway, I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> Check what, what do you think, bro? I mean, I, I don't know how Ch Chicago would do without police. Bro. I think it'd be fucking crazy, bro. I, um, I think all hell would break loose. Yes, but because the, just because of the mentality, loose. right, yeah, of yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. All hell's already loose. It would be it worse. It would get worse. It would get a lot worse. worse. That's not true, bro. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it like this to me. And my brother, I I, I told him, he's like, oh, what is the episode going to be about? And I kind of mentioned that. He's like, dude, I don't know about defunding the police, bro. <laughs> he's like, it's the police topic. the police in Mexico is already defunded. And that ain't fixing things. <sighs> I mean, and I'm not trying to jump into that. But that's a I'm quick like, example. Don't get me started that's on this quick, other topic. But, <laughs> but that's a quick example of like... Yeah. The police not having any power or any money, and that ain't working in their favor either. You know, I could I could see that uh -huh. happening very quickly here, especially in Chicago, since we're talking about we're here in Chicago. You know what I mean? I no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I get it, but I hate to do this because we're again yeah, with yeah, time. Yeah. So ahead, the, the last thing I want to bring up is obviously gun control, which you kind of mentioned or we kind of talked about it a little bit. And obviously, that's like a, a big thing that right now with, with the mass shooting, it's always been a big thing. Every time there's a mass shooting, mm -hmm. everybody Excuse talks me. about gun, gun control. Um, me and myself and Compa Noe, I think we're for the Second Amendment. Right? Am I uh, by myself? When, when, she's not here, when she's not here to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. No, nah, no, nah, for sure. I yeah. think I am too, I agree. to be honest with you. Okay, yeah, okay. So we agree? We do. <laughs> we do agree. Pero okay. mira. This is, but the thing that's funny, and as I always talk to, I always think about this because I think the far right, because I consider myself part of the radical left, and the, I feel like the far left and the far right have a lot of similarities, right? You have Black Panthers that were always armed, right? You have a lot of folks that want, you know, want to stay armed are like alt right folks and also just right folks. They don't like government. They don't like government. It's similar, but it's for different reasons. ¿Me entiendes? Like I think that um. So for me, when you when this question, particularly as it relates to the shootings, the mass shootings, I think that it's very clear. And after a lot of thinking and research and a lot of discussion with the young people, we were like Royal. Shout out to Royal. Those are my. I love them. <laughs> Those that's the organization that um, that's it that uh that we work with. Pero este, we talked about the AR fifteen, right? Mm -hmm. The AR-15 as a rifle should not be accessible the way it is. I just heard on Sunday night after Sueños, partying my ass off, I heard a mass shooting outside my window. I live right next to Austin. And yeah, there's shootings all the time, right? But like this one was different because I had, first of all, I had never heard a shooting like outside my window like this. But um, it because I could tell there was two different guns. There was a, an AR-15 style rifle and then there was a regular gun a regular gun when it goes through your body it goes it makes a narrow hole right if you're lucky and it doesn't hit your organs right you have a very high chance of survival even if they shoot you seven times right like because it the 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 it stays like a narrow hole through your body right so the bleeding is also less an ar-15 is like you're literally it starts as a narrow hole but it it concaves inside your body it damages so much 
tissue that when you go to the hospital, you have zero chance of survival. Think about, and then you're going to have to think about, this is an adult, right? Think about a little kid, bro. They have no chance. Once you're hit with an AR-15, you're going to die because you're going to bleed to death. Not, even if they didn't hit your organ, you're going to bleed to death before you can get help. That's what happened to all those kids, right? So I think with gun control, it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be yes or no. no. Like, we have to stop thinking about things in binary, right? Yes, no, whatever. I think that we need to look at the facts of what's happening and talk about AR-15s. AR-15s should not be accessible to people. Why the hell do we need military-style weapons in our communities? For what, right? Yeah, like have a gun, a handgun for your protection. If that makes you feel safer, whatever. I don't really care about that. But I think that AR-15s, we need to have some legislation on AR-15s, which we're not going to have, by the way, because it's just one of those things. So a lot of parents, what they're doing now is that they're suing the gun manufacturers, which I'm I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Um, they're suing the gun manufacturers. I know that the ones on Sandy Hook, they sued Remington. Um, that was a gun manufacturer for that one. And I know that Uvalde parents are now going to sue the gun manufacturer for this one, which I don't remember the name. But like, we have to try different strategies, right? And I don't think that if you are for the Second Amendment, okay, fine. But let's think more critically about then how can we decrease what's happening, right? And I think that banning AR-15s is a first step for sure. Right. There's a lot of other stuff that needs to happen, like conflict resolution skills, toxic masculinity, deconstructing, because a lot of folks. Right. There's a lot of like jump to violence. I think that that, that's a lot. There's a lot of toxic masculinity in our society. Um, Violence against women. Right. Women are like number one victims of gun violence because their partners come and kill them. Right. So (laughs) long story short, I think it's complex and I think we need to be more critical about it. I I think that. um, so that's what I feel about gun control. <laughs> Go ahead, Checo. I'll let gonna, you take this one. <laughs> well, definitely not. Um, I'm, I think there should be some kind of laws, right, put in place where you can't purchase them at 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here in, in Illinois, I don't think you can buy them at 18. But I'm not, um, sure. I'm not sure if you could buy them. But the, I, I, I know I for sure the right. checks, Texas, too, though. I think you're right because most guns from, in Chicago come from Indiana. Yeah, well, they're they're red, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in Texas, I mean, and they're not going to change it, right? You know, they're not going to. They should probably change it to twenty one or whatever. But then, yeah, you have people arguing that if you're eighteen and you could join the military, then you're able to, you know, use a gun. Um, but then we could argue about liquor as well. If you're able to join the army, you should be able to enjoy beer. Or what they saying something about the checks too, like how how long they keep you know keep the rifle before they hand it to the person that's buying it at eighteen, like. Making sure they're doing proper background checks. I'm holding the like here. If you buy a gun in Illinois, I believe they hold it for three days um, mm-hmm. and do your a proper background check, yeah. and before then you could just go pick it up. You know. Yeah. So I mean, things like that too would would work. But I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, I don't think an 18 year old needs right. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. An AR-15. Yeah. On top of that, maybe they should be focusing on their social media. You know, like hey, yeah. somebody's buying an AR-15 at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You know the government's already watching us what we do and what you know what we're saying on social media like why aren't they picking up on certain certain things like this yeah. especially when somebody's buying the ar-15 a background check is being done on this person hey how about we run through the social media see what's going on i mean sounds like a lot of work but 
we probably have the resources. Yeah. But you know what I mean? What, what I will say, counter to that, because I do think I don't want to get us to get too caught up in the background stuff, because at the end of the day, you have to remember that most people who have a record are black and brown people. Okay, so that would mean that a lot of black and brown people will not have access to guns. Also, a lot of people talk about people with mental illness. I wouldn't be able to get it. I have PTSD. But shit, I want one maybe, you know? <laughs> you know, so I think that and the, and at the end of the day, like So if you've been diagnosed, sorry. So yeah. you if you've been diagnosed, you can't buy like a PTSD, you can't buy a gun? No, because that legislation doesn't exist. You're trying to you're trying to pass it. <laughs> oh, I, hey, I'm just speaking my thoughts. I'm trying to prevent more school oh, shootings. So you think you know what I'm saying? So that's what yeah, I want. That's hard. I, want I mean, see. it's hard. Yeah, that's what I want you to see. That's that good. I, that's I, good. Yeah. yeah, I think that people that have mental, so then people will not come out with their mental health issues, and they will be reluctant to go to therapy, and then we're gonna have we're gonna Damn. go backwards in our. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, that's so, a tough one. So it's like <clears throat> I think that we need to. The background checks and the background and the mental health stuff too. That we don't want to stigmatize people with mental health stuff. We just do not. I think that's why I feel like the ban on AR fifteenth is a good start because at least if some fucking psycho goes and shoots people, they have a higher chance of survival because they're not gonna die. Oh man. So that's a tough one for me because I don't know if I would lean more towards, yeah, come in and shoot with just a handgun. And on top of the fact that if that person is really going to come in and shoot, does not mean that they can get the AR-15 elsewhere. Yes. So I would rather people get a proper background check and, yeah, get stigmatized by whatever's going on. But I would prefer that happen than just the criminal would go and get the gun elsewhere and do the shooting anyways. So that's where I would lean on that. Yeah. Just because you brought that up, I'm like, eh, that's going to get it regardless. Well, you know, yes. that wouldn't prevent, but what you're saying would never have prevented Uvalde shooter. He had a clean background, no arrest. It would never prevent the Buffalo shooter. He had a clean background. That's but what I'm telling you. Maybe about looking that. into his social media before releasing the but gun. That's not. Mm, you know what I mean? Like something more, more of a thorough. Maybe you listen check. to our podcast. I don't know. They'll be like, you know what? Social media before you buy a gun is probably a good idea. You know what? This this guy looks like a white supremacist. How about we hold off? They don't give a they. This whole we don't country, know. No, they don't. They're not looking for white supremacy. There's a thing, bro. Like the thing that y'all have to understand is that white supremacy controls this. They're not gonna go after white supremacists. That's never gonna happen because. They're going to go after fucking Arabs. They're going to go after Muslims. They're going to go after Mexicans. They're going to go after the black community. That's who is going to end up losing if we do those policies. They're never going to go after white supremacists. Right. They're not. Because that's what... The <laughs> so, like, to me, I like to, I like to stay right in the middle. You know, like, I don't want to go too far left. I don't want to go too far right. I feel like if you're a law-abiding citizen, you're probably going to be good. You know? Like... For the most part, you know what I mean. Like what, what? Like you're looking at me like, nah, you ain't. <laughs> False you information. Ain't. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way I feel, though. That's just the way I feel. I'm, you know what I mean. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's right. Um, but I just, you know what I mean. Like you said, I'm a radical. You know, once you say that, I'm like, damn. Like I'm on the radical left. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, and I understand, and I hear you, but I feel like I um, so laws even right. Mm -hmm. laws were created by a white supremacist society and if you look at the laws there's this really good book called the color of law so y'all know that i'm actually not talking out of my ass <laughs> it's that literally will go through the entire history of u.s lawmaking and show you 
how racist it is. So for me, the law ain't a thing. The law does not, law is not morality to me because I see how the law has been designed, who it fucks up and what, look at who the, like, it's just like certain things, like undocumented people are unlawful, right? Their existence in this country is unlawful. The law does not guide morality is what I'm trying to say. I agree with that 100%. So you, even if you are a law abiding, law abiding citizen, homie, and you're black or brown, you're still going to go down. Wait, yeah, if you commit a crime. No. <laughs> what do you mean? So you told <laughs> you. Okay, yeah, give me an yeah, give me, give me an example. So, I'll give you an example. Okay. Like, so, for example, like like right before I came here, I was like looking at Facebook and like people get racially profiled. Let's just do like one of the most talked about examples, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just talked to you guys about the school to prison pipeline, right? Yes. You're in school, you're a child, you have a beef with your classmate. Y'all fight, it becomes a crime because you're in a school that has SROs, the school resource officers, right? The cops in the schools. Go to a white school. You have a beef with your classmate. You get in a fight. It's not a crime because there is no SROs there and it's not considered a crime. As a child, they're developing. It's normal. This is part of their healthy adolescence, right? So it's like you have to see it for what it is. It's like when you're black and brown, you Everything, mo- most things that you do is a crime. And when you're white, it's not really a crime, homie. Like, look I, at- I get that part, but I would yeah. hate to, I would hate to live that way, you know, like to <laughs> always have to think like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I couldn't do that. that I that's- don't think you have a choice, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to live like that either. To right? me, right, right. I see your point about the, you know, you, but that starts at home, though. You know, you have a kid that has this, uh, it goes to school where there's a cop there. It's your your job as a parent to make sure that he's that he makes sure that the cop don't see him doing healthy things that a child should do, like have conflict with his friend. I don't know about a fight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that a fight is healthy. I mean, we talked yeah. about violence oh, is not yeah, the answer, absolutely. right? Absolutely. But I think that there so are to me things, it's like that's what I think. Absolutely. Yeah. But you can't but you, there's always when you're developing as a child, you're gonna make mistakes. Like that's off the table. No child is perfect. All children make mistakes. Correct. Children will try drugs. Children will have sex. Children will fight with each other. This is adolescence, man. I was no angel when I was in high school, right? But I think that now looking back, I see that I was an adolescent, which was has lived through a lot of trauma, right? Who was making these mistakes. I got arrested when I was 13 in Indian Trail for a gang activity. I got arrested and I was put on probation. It was a felony charge, aggravated battery. And looking back at it, how I was treated by these cops and how they interrogated me without my parents there, like, that should not happen to a child, especially without their parents there, right? And the thing is that this is happening to children, especially black and brown children in society, far more than we think it is, right? Like, and that's my thing. It's like, you have to understand that, like, there is systemic racism that is at the core of policing. Um, And as much as we like it or we don't want to believe it and it makes us feel sad and stuff, like, it is the truth. I think that there is joy still. Like, I find joy in the organizing world. I find joy in restorative justice. I find joy with the young people that I'm with every week. And we find alternative ways of dealing with conflict. We practice peace circles. We practice conflict resolution. I'm about to do one next week, right? These are the alternatives. I'm doing this shit for free, right? Mm-hmm. If I maybe if they give me some of that fucking cop money, I could do a bigger change. I could make more impact. ¿Me entiendes? 
But guess who's not funded? Not these type of things, right? Those type of things are funded, right? So like, that's the thing that's like, I think we really need to be critical about the core of conflict, the core of violence more, and how we can address that instead of like jumping to like the violence as a response to violence. ¿Me entiendes? <laughs> no, I get it. I, under, I understand 100%. I, fo I follow. I think we got to cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real? I got to go party no, now. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, right. yeah, that's why we got to cut it off. You're on a time limit. So um, I just want to tell you, thank you for coming on. And hopefully this won't be the last time. Hopefully you'll yeah. accept another invitation. Yeah, back you know, the I pod. usually charge $600 an hour. Um, this will be the last time. <laughs> I did it for me because you know you're my your brother's my homie, pero it's my rate. No, I'm just kidding. Pero este, this was fun. Like you do that for works type stuff. Um, but yeah, I love being here. I hope that um, I did not disappoint. No, not, <laughs> not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. I you had me like this the whole time. I was like, man, what is going on right now? That's damn. That's dope. I mean, to me, I like to hear everybody's you know opinions. No, nah, mine's the facts. Yeah, facts. I got Everything. a PhD. I've almost got a PhD behind me. You gotta call me Dr. Cynthia Brito. You we know got that? you. We got you. And we're proud of you, you too. Know, and so. I do that shit to have more legitimacy because I feel like, I mean, at the end of the day, that you need those fucking degrees to Well, make sure you message us when you get it. So I could be like, what's up, doctor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sure. will. Um crossing fingers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you wanna give out any shout outs or anything any last words or anything like last that? Last word. Damn, yeah, I'm going um <laughs> Before we yeah. end the pod, not your life. Hey, so that's gonna to... be the last time he uses yeah. that phrase. Yeah, no, I'm not using that anymore. No, bro, last word. No, um, yeah, I want to. I mean, I'm gonna shout out my the youth organization that have taught me a lot. Royal, my daughters who are activists, organizers. My 19 and 17 are both in Royal, and they're baddies. Like they are constantly fucking shit up, and I'm glad because that's how I raised them. Uh, shout out to my husband because I have to shout out my husband. <laughs> He allows for me to come here. He's taking care of our kids. So um, thanks to him. But yeah, um, thank you for having me. Shout out to AT. What's up, Blazers? <laughs> Blazers. Damn. Man. I really appreciate you coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a drive. But I'm glad I came. I wanted to. So I'm really glad you. you're here. So uh, I think this is it. Unless you have any last words. Other than that, uh, thank you guys for listening and for watching. This is Bumble Don't Culture. Peace. Peace.